What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Perfectly Blended Podcast, Season 5, Episode 12. Boy, we have a doozy for you today. It is an interview with Ron and Nan Deal, and that's coming up right now. Thank you so much for joining us on the Perfectly Blended Podcast. This podcast is for blended families, for couples that want to strengthen their marriage and want a brighter future. Perfectly Blended exists to break the stigma of divorce, drop the shame and guilt holding you back, and equip marriages to thrive instead of just survive. We believe all that is possible in this life is based on the power of Jesus Christ and his ability to restore us fully. Let's dive in. What's up? Welcome to today's show. This is super exciting. Listen, if you haven't been on our show before, we've had Ron Deal, which is the author of some 13 books for blended families. We call him the Grand Pooba of <laughs> blended families. Anyway, so we have him and we have a special part of him that's going to be on today, and that is his wife, Nan. So before we get started today, before we jump in, do you have anything you want to talk about or anything you want to share? That's I do. Oh, here we go. So... We wanted Ron on. We we would have Ron and Nan on every single week if we wanted to, but yeah. if they would. But Nan, uh, Josh and I, we did a podcast a while back when we went to Georgia on the Step Family Summit, and we got to meet Nan in person. And I got a little bit of some intimate, like one-on-one -on -one time with her at our table, like during a break. I don't even know how she came across our table and sat down. It was a God thing, right? And uh, I got to know her in the quick five minutes because she was get getting booted away from me to get back up on stage with Ron. But the authenticity in her, it really, I don't know, it just really connected us. And I just really felt, and I'm sure a lot of women when they meet her feel this way, but I just felt really like, wow, I she is loves God and mm. she's just raw and uncut and willing to be honest with you about where she was, how she used to feel, how she feels now, where God's taking her and all of that. So I really uh, wanted to have both of them on together someday, which we were able to do tonight. And it was Josh and I, after, you know, deciding that we were having them on, we're like very, very excited to yeah. have them on. Yeah, so we also want to let you know if we look different, it's because we are now officially grandparents. My daughter uh, had a baby on May 4th, and so we are officially grandparents. You are seeing Lovey. My name is Lovey. Her name is Lovey, and my name is Hefe, and that is what we are going by. Yep. Like it or don't, that is what we chose, and it's fun. And so we don't want to be known as Papa and Grandma and all these no. things. Everybody else is going to be known as that because we're a blended family. We have lots of other people that are involved in this scenario. So we wanted something really unique to us, and that's why we named that. So that is a very exciting thing. And uh, we, we got to meet him. His we name got is to, yep. Benny Warren Martin. Yeah, Benny. It's really cool. So there's a whole story behind that. And at one point, that's we'll my share, story to tell. We'll share, we'll share that. Christy guessed the name and you're the telling my story. Well, that, you did, though. You can tell the story <laughs> around it. She still guessed it. So that is another story for another episode because we want to make yeah. sure we have an opportunity to dive into this. Uh, interview that we have for you today, but yeah. we are grandparents and we are embracing it and we are loving it. And so it has been a really cool, interesting week this last week, and it's been really enjoyable. It was Mother's Day, and so. it was Mother's Day. Yeah, yep, this last weekend. So really awesome. So without further ado, we want to introduce you to Nan and Ron Deal. Yeah. All right. So we would like to personally welcome Ron and Nan Deal. Welcome to the show, guys. 
Thank you. It's good to be with you guys tonight. Always an honor. Love to be with you guys every time. Yeah, it's so exciting to be able to have both of you on. Ron, mm -hmm. we've had you on a few times before, but it's exciting to have Nan, which is probably the true driver in this whole thing. <laughs> Better have, for sure. That is so we want to uh, let everybody know a little bit about who you are. Maybe they've never watched any of the other episodes. Maybe have them uh, give a little bit of an idea of who you are and, uh, and then Nan, a little bit about who you are. Okay. Well, we've been married 36 years. Um, and so immediately your listeners are going, wow, and you guys are a blended family and you do all this stuff with step families and write all these books. And yeah, no, we're not a blended family. Um, we are the people who decided that ministering to families of all shapes and sizes was important and found ourselves going, yeah, there's this hole over here in ministering to blended families. Maybe we should just step into that space, never intending to build anything or create anything or, uh, you know, lead a movement or anything like that, but just with the Lord's favor, just finding um, that there were open doors and we just decided we were going to keep walking through them and do the best we could and just trying to lead and guide. And so that's what we're still doing. People ask me all the time, what's your, what's your plan? And I'm like, I don't have a plan. God has a plan. I'm just trying to walk through whatever doors he opens. And that's, that's pretty much it. So we both were born and raised in Des Moines, Iowa. We met in junior high. I saw this really cute girl standing at the end of the hall, opening her locker. And I saw a cute guy with white, white hair. And now I basically have black or no hair. <laughs> yeah. Or gray hair. And we were friends for a long time. Yeah. And then there was that winning shot at the basketball game, a magical kiss in the snow. That's all I'll say. Ooh. And then two years later, we were married. And we were 19 and 20. Yep. Wow. Um, the epitome of stupid to get married. <laughs> but we did it. I mean, a lot of a lot of things that your listeners don't know is when I met Ron, he was an athlete, an incredible athlete. And he really never read any books, let alone wrote a book. <laughs> so seriously, when people, you know, I've, so I've gotten to see the whole, so evolution. And really his heart has always been in ministry and it's always been for the family. So we started out in youth ministry. And then it was like, how do I help these kids that are struggling? So off to graduate school, he went and he went and got a marriage and family therapy degree. And then after that, it was, let's go to the church and let's, let's, let's minister to all the families. And that really was out of his heart for all of the families. Mm -hmm. And that's when step families started knocking on the door and he kept saying, I'm not your guy. I'm not your guy. I mean, he really did have yeah, a huge... Did. <laughs> You know, your hands were up going, I'm not your guy. Yeah, I had my Moses arguments with God <laughs> plenty of times. Because, you know, we're not a step family. But I tell you, graduate school was a huge, um, I call it his uh, metamorphosis. I mean, he came out of graduate school with a lot of knowledge and um, a, a big heart for families. And so that's kind of where that was at. Plus, I told you, I said, Ron. We've had three male obstetricians that have helped deliver the boys. None of them have ever carried a baby. None yeah. of them have ever been pregnant. For nine months and then birthed so a We have entrusted these men to tell us and help us have these babies. I said, you're the male obstetrician for step family. <laughs> you're welcome. Go with it, you know? 
And so he did. You know, I mean, and she said that, and I just started thinking, well, of course. I mean, in ministry, you work with people in all kinds of life circumstances. You don't have to have lived through all of it. Right. As a therapist, you definitely do that. I, you know, I hope a lot of brain surgeons and cancer cancer doctors don't have to have had cancer to be mm. able to offer any perspective. Yeah. But but here's the thing, guys. I I know the limits of what I have to offer. Uh, one of the reasons I love applauding people like you doing what you're doing is you're speaking from the inside, from life experience, from what you've known and felt and experienced. I'm speaking from the outside, if you will, uh, just sort of watching and listening and trying to gather all the little different pieces and help put them together for people in a way that's helpful for them. So I know something like a male obstetrician about the process mm -hmm. of having a baby. But I've never pretended to know from the inside. Now, I do understand parenting because I got three kids. I do understand grief because we lost one of those three kids. I do understand marriage because we've been married for a really long time and we know the highs and the lows and the ugly and the good. Like our, we've been through all of that and the day ain't over yet. You know, like <laughs> we still might have a fight at the end of the day. So we, we're well aware we are living life and many of the things we can relate to that are aspects of blended family living, but I don't pretend to know everything about it. I just offer what I do know and, uh, and just, you know, pray that, that that's enough, really. Yeah. One thing that I think, you know, we've had some opportunities now to meet you a few times, meet Nan in person and, and you just never really know, you know, you can do this, but when you get live with people, you really get a different sense. And so, you know, the, the, how genuine you both are mm -hmm. about yeah. more of being used by God in yeah. the situation than trying to lead the way for mm -hmm. what's God giving you. And I think that makes a huge difference in the impact that God has allowed, uh, you know, you guys to have in this type of ministry. It's, you know, you, you, you say a Moses moment, you know, but at the same time, it's like, okay, but if this is what you're calling me to do, uh, mm -hmm. use me and just tell me what you need me to do. And so, yeah. uh, Josh, that's so good. I mean, here's the thing. Here's God's math. Okay. Mm -hmm. He uses the wrong people to do the right thing. Yeah. So everybody will know it's him yeah. and not them. So like Moses, I'm the wrong guy. And from some external standpoint, I'm the wrong guy. Yeah. But I'm somebody who's willing to be used. And that's all I have to offer. And everything else adds up to what God does. So that's the cool thing is it's not all on me. Um, and, and here's the other thing I would say. Be wary of people who love the stage. Who mm -hmm. want to be upfront and want to be the leader and want to be known? Uh, you know what? Those people are often very prideful, and there will be a fall. And if you follow them too closely, you'll go with them. Mm -hmm. So I don't really want to follow people who love being an, on the stage. I'd rather follow somebody who is uh, reticent and, and cautious and and not real excited about being up in front. Because I think that's often the person who is more humble and unassuming. And um, God works in those situations far more than he does with somebody who's loving the limelight. So no. we've just always said, we're just going to be available and do what we can and trust God with it. I think too, with, um, you know, the loss of our son, um, you know, after you have a season to grieve, and um, to work through some of that pain, um, if you allow God to use that to bless other people, 
and to help them. I just, I just can't help but not lock, lock arms with moms hmm. and parents, you know, because I know, I know what it takes those first couple of years. I know what it takes when the birthdays come and the heaven days and things like that. And so, you know, and I had people that were 10 years ahead of me helping me and here by the grace of God, I am mm. because of that. And so I think, I think if you have a heart for people, but also if you got some life experience in some things, although step families isn't our, our life experience, but there's other things and you use those things, um, God will bless those things, but you've got to be willing to be used. And, and, and there needs to be a season too, because, you know, there were a few years in the beginning where I couldn't be used because I was such an em empty vessel. Mm -hmm. You know, I was in so much pain that I needed to, you know, I needed to move a little bit further along and allow God to heal me so that I could be used well by him. Anybody who's read anything I've written after 2009 should see a difference in some of the things that I say, because that's when Connor died and it radically changed us in a, in a thousand ways in life and marriage. And, um, and it certainly added to my, well, my understanding of pain and how it changes us in life and how it can slowly and subtly impact uh, relationships in a blended family, for example. It's not exactly the same, but there's enough the same that that just seeped into everything that I was. In fact, my first book, The Smart Step Family, which is now crazy, 20 years old as of this year. That's just wow. crazy. But the first edition came out in 2002. The re revised expanded edition came out, which 50% new, came out in 2014. So if you go back and you read the difference between version one and version two, there's a death in my life in between. And it just rippled through the book. I mean, it just sort of um, over and over and over again comes up about how hard things can be and how we have to pile through pain with God, with trust, with faith, with perseverance. Mm -hmm. That's true, no matter what the pain is. And I just think that that, honestly, I feel like I, through the years, I've gotten more feedback about some of those elements as much as I get about how do you cook a step family or, or insights about step parenting. Um, because I think people just appreciate real and raw mm -hmm. and no fake, you know, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to be fake. Yeah. You know, um, I, you know, since our loss, um, going to a weekend where Ron will do his um, conference and he'll talk about some of those things with step families and I'll sit there and go yeah us too <laughs> yeah us too you know like you know we're we're the freaky ones at church that nobody wants to talk to right we're on the island of misfit toys too people just run from us from grieving parents it's it's every parent's worst nightmare and so when they see mm. us and I've had somebody say you are the face of my worst nightmare no kidding yeah. And so going into church is a very isolating place. Um, milestone moments with our children when our son got married, you know, and I know for step families at, at those events, those can be hard times. And, um, you know, it was bittersweet when our yeah, son yeah. got married, just like blended families experience. There's a, yeah. 
sure there can be a, a bunch of positive things and at the same time some Maybe. some bitter yeah, along with the sweet. Hard, hard. Hey, we get that. Right. We we live that every day. Yeah, and it know? it and we just continue to carry it with us like step families do. You know, there's a loss there, there's a death there of some kind. And so us too, we're walking through it and trying to work through it and carry it and you know and learn from it and you know but it, we still are and so are you and so mm-hmm. i think there's some saying in there you know mm-hmm. similar things there so i yeah. i can relate when he's talking mm-hmm. i can definitely relate but we still yeah. need folks like you because yeah. you guys have a lot to offer and just love the way you lead and share and get out there yeah we you know it's 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 amazing though how God uses things in our lives that we we just think to ourselves there's no way that this could be used for any good. Yeah. And when we're really willing to really worship God the way that he deserves to be worshiped, we allow him to work through these things. And so that relatability like you guys really are tying it so strongly into the work God has given you and um to relate to families like ours, you know, blended families. And it is special because we do feel like outsiders and to have this opportunity for you, you know, to feel like, Hey, it's a me too moment is a very special thing. You know, it makes the work that God is doing through you, uh, feel like it actually belongs. And I think that's just a, it's such a special thing. You know, it really is. Well, because I mean, I'm sure you guys can relate to this no matter how far the church community has came, church community, primarily the majority of people that show up to church, try to act like they have everything together. And a lot of those families that stick out are nuclear families. So then you come with people like us who, you know, he has an adoptive father. That's not biologically his, he has an alcoholic background. And my dad was married five times, physical abuse, sexual abuse, all of those things, we've been divorced, we come together and I don't talk to my mom. My dad passed away. Both of them were very bad parents. And when you get into the church, you want to be like you, when you want to be raw, it, people run away from it Yeah, because they're scared of vulnerability, you know, of thinking, and that's when God can shine through the most. Josh and I feel like we, we aren't qualified to, to lead blended families at all. You know, we, we just want to help people communicate better because what's missing in families is there's hurt feelings and there's grief and people want to be heard. And when they want to be heard, they're not listening to the other person that wants to be heard. And then they're all just walking around really selfish, but hurt. And when you try to reach out to people that are hurting and say, you just got to sit down, you got to listen to each other and and love one another through it and really put yourself in the other person's shoes. You have to be willing to do that. And the only person that helps people become the most willing is God. Mm. So until they submit to God, Mm. everything's harder, Mm. you know, and uh, we do fight with God internally, but until that submission daily comes, Uh, it it's, and that's what we want to try to work with people through just submit to God. I mean, our relationship is not perfect. We are not perfect by far, but what helps us the most is God. And you have to submit to God first. Power is made perfect. Yes. In our weakness. It's it's him doing it in us. I, I had a therapist once a dear dear man who really saved our marriage say to me, because I come from a lot of broken 
I come from a lot of dysfunction. I did not grow up in a Christian home. A lot of abandonment issues there and yeah. just total dysfunction. Um, and he said, you know, and I'd been trying to scrape that off and hide it for years. And I felt yeah. like, you know, when I did become a Christian and I started going to church with Ron's family, we started, you know, in the ministry. Oh my gosh, I'm a minister's wife. Ah, <laughs> I'm so unworthy. I don't have myself all together. Hear, hear me all together. Yeah. You know, I thought I had to be that nuclear family that looked perfect and their kids walked in and, you know, everything was perfect here and all of that. And I remember Terry saying to me, if you will allow God to heal and work with that most broken part of you, it'll be the most beautiful part. Mm. And it yeah. will be your story and your ministry that will touch the most people. And I remember sitting in his office going, I have no idea what you're trying to tell me. I've been trying to scrape this off of myself forever mm. and be something else. And now, after the last couple of years coming through my hardest, yuckiest time and God redeeming me, mm. I'm like, I so get it now. Oh my gosh, I so get it now. And I don't care who knows because I know it will help somebody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because God's saying, that's the most beautiful part of you, that brokenness that I healed, I can work with that. Amen. You guys and it's that surrender. Amen. It's that surrender. Have you been watching The Chosen? We uh, we have not. God keeps telling us to. I'm going to tell you that right now because our preacher, our pastor just talked about it this past Sunday from the pulpit. Okay. Woman at the well. You have got to watch The Chosen. We're just okay. eager for the next season to come out. But oh, when you when you watch in the first two seasons, because in season one, yeah, Jesus encounters the woman at the well and that whole scene. And there is, for anybody who's seen it, who's listening, you know the funny, funny, funny line where you just celebrate where Jesus is talking to this woman and, and she is just lighting up with life. Mm -hmm. She says, just she's talking to him, but she's sort of just saying out loud, I'm going to go tell everybody that you, you, you know everything about me and it's okay. Yeah. And she's just sort of bubbling over. And there's this hilarious response from Jesus where he just said, I was counting on it. And she just runs <laughs> off like, you know, nothing. And that is what we're talking about. Jesus is counting on us yeah. being real with mm -hmm. our ugliness yeah. mm. because other people are going to come to him because of that. It is the best part of us when we see it through his eyes instead oh. of looking at it through our own eyes. When pride is at this, at you know, at stake, I don't want you to know this about me. Mm -hmm. But when humility sets in and I'm going, wait a minute, wait a minute, God's redeeming me. That makes me worthy. I do want you to know this. Mm -hmm. So that's the shift that has to take place. Now that's not a blended family shift. Now it certainly applies to people in blended families, but it's not exclusive. Yeah. That's something we've had to deal with. Everybody on the planet mm -hmm. has to deal with that, especially in the in the world of fake fake news and fake book, you know, <laughs> where we just want to put forth what we want people to know about us. I have a funny story really quick, a funny illustration. It's about me, but I just have a funny <laughs> illustration about it only because I sing not every week, but I sing on the worship team at our church and we have 13 singers. So it's like a rotation, you know, mm -hmm. and I, um, I have such an appreciation for what God has done for me. Right. So sometimes when I get up on the stage, 
a lot. I've embraced it more now. But when I first would be up on the stage singing, I would have to be like, you have to look a certain way. You have to act a certain way while you're singing. You know, you, you know, it's about making sure everyone's having a good time out there and all of these. And then there would be occasional times where I would just, I pretended that I could see God, Jesus looking down at me through the church roof, you know, and he was smiling at me and holding out his hand. And I was just looking at him and I was just singing to him. And that's when I would get the most people that would come up to me saying, we love watching you when you're up Mm -hmm. on stage because you can see Jesus in you. Mm -hmm. And I kept hearing God tell me, that's what I, I just want you to worship me. I'll take care of everything else. Mm -hmm. And the more that I have embraced that when I'm on stage, the more I have people coming and it's not about me. The more people are coming up to me saying, I can see Jesus in you, like how much you, and that's what people want to see is how much Jesus changes us. And if we're not showing them how much Jesus changes us with everything that we do, they're never going to want to, or wonder what we have, you know, that they don't have. And I just think that's a funny illustration because God will whack us in the face so many times with things and we will just fight against it. Like, I don't want to, I'm embarrassed or people think I'm stupid or, you know, not understand stuff like that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a vulnerability thing. So you guys know, like for blended families, we're not hand raisers. No, we're not going to raise our hands. We're not going to say, Hey, Uh, Is there anybody here that can help us? You know, like Mm -hmm. we don't do that. But if we could see that there's Mm -hmm. other leaders within the church or within the community, if there's authors that are saying, hey, I'm going to be vulnerable too, because Mm -hmm. this whole thing has nothing to do about me. It really doesn't. And I need to allow God to shine the light the way that he wants to shine it through our situation. And that's Mm -hmm. hard, especially when God offers you a platform whether we want to be on stage, we sometimes end up there. And how we handle that is really about like, okay, God, I don't know how you want to use the situation, but I know what you need for me is to be open and honest and vulnerable. And so I love that you guys are sharing this about your own personal lives, because I think it's important that people know that the guy that wrote, writes these books is more than the words that go into the page. There's so much deeper than that. You know, there's a trusted human that says, hey, you know, I just want God to use me in whatever format that is. And, uh, you know, vulnerability is important to you guys. So uh, it's it's being seen and we appreciate it. And after meeting you guys, too, it just solidified. We we had met Ron via our podcast, but me meeting both of you in Georgia was a true blessing for us and and seeing the community and of people that come together really, you know, gives us fire to keep doing what we're doing. It's needed and high demand, low, wait, high need, low demand Mm -hmm. was a powerful statement for me personally, as a takeaway from there, just saying, we need to bring more voices to it, making it okay that God can heal and we can have a community because God wants us to be in community with one another. Definitely. He does. He does. Yeah. And we need to break those barriers down. Yes, we do. Yes, because nobody has it all together. <laughs> nope. Not no. this side of heaven. No, no. <laughs> you know that's right. So, Nan, how did you get involved in this whole situation then? Like, we saw you get up and, and be part of some stuff the last few times we've we've been out and about. So, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that. Help our 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 viewers and listeners here and understand that. 
that's a God thing because let me just, I'll just, I'll just be vulnerable. You mm-hmm. know, um, there was a season in our marriage where Ron was going and blowing. I mean, he was really going and blowing and it was, you know, it was after graduate school, had three little ones and, um, you know, and at the beginning when he started traveling and really doing a lot of step family ministry, I had three little ones at home and I felt like, you know, I felt like I shouldn't travel too much because I needed to be the one that was the net at home, you know, the stable one, if he's going to be out and about. Um, and, and, you know, I just, I didn't have a great growing up. I didn't have great parenting, you know, and so I really wanted to do a good job at it. It was like my thing, you know, um, but there was a season there about a decade where Ron was really traveling a lot and his work and the ministry became the biggest thing in his life. And um, I really got angry and bitter and resentful yeah. towards it. Um, I got bitter and angry and resentful towards him. I, I felt like he was abandoning me, which goes back to, you know, I've got that's my baggage I brought into the marriage was a lot of abandonment issues. So that tapped into that abandonment issue. And um, there were times when I go to him and say, Hey, this is out of balance. And he, he would not listen to me. And there were times where it was year after year where I'd say, Hey, the boys and I are here and you are going and blowing. And so it just got to a place where really, honestly, I didn't, I didn't love this ministry. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about these books. Yeah. I didn't want to go to anything with him. I mean, I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. Like well, and- you go on with your bad self. I'm going to take care of my boys. And yeah. we kind of, mm-hmm. and that's how I felt about it because I felt, and I was, I was jealous. I was resentful. And I just thought you can go on with all those people that love you. I don't love them and I don't really love how you are with that. So I kind of drew a line in the sand. Let me just jump in and say, which was my pride. It was, it was deserved. Like earlier when I was talking about somebody who loves the stage, that was me. And it takes one to know one. I mean, I, that was me in a season of my life. And I've now learned what drove all that, that I had this really performance based self-esteem that I grew up coming out of, into my adulthood with in life. And so really a lot of insecurity in my heart. And so I was constantly trying to prove myself, which has meant I've just worked harder and harder. And like she said, that just tapped into her abandonment stuff. So essentially, why would she be thrilled about what became my, uh, my lover? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was work and ministry. Yeah. And everything mm-hmm. attached to it. Why should she? She wouldn't want to add to that then we lose our son mm-hmm. and i feel totally abandoned by god i am like it's like abandonment abandonment and then abandonment over love yeah and i'll tell you um the first night after the funeral we had some very dear friends that left some alcohol and we weren't teetotalers by any means but you know it wasn't a a regular thing in our lives you know yeah. um right. we occasionally but you know right and uh, some people left some and they said, you know, this might take the edge off. This might help you sleep. And what started off as, yeah, it, it took the edge off. It helped me sleep, became a 10 year terrible addiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And once Ron took the job, um, he took the job at Family Life. And, and also too, I should back up. We were grieving. It's like when Connor passed away, we were thrust together in our grief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I've got him back. You know, in a, some strange, weird way, you know, as we're grieving. I mean, we were grieving the same, crying about the same things, frustrated about the same things. I mean, if I said something, he was like, yeah, yeah, me too. And so I didn't feel like this freak with him. You know, we talk the same yeah. language. Well, after about four or five years, I'm still on that psych and that merry-go-round of just talking it around, talking it around. And I tell this to people all the time, Ron read the book of Job and boy, he was off. He was fine and off on a new tangent. And I was like, wait a minute, I lost my grieving buddy. You know what yeah. I mean? Kind of found some peace. He did. He did him. not. Yeah. And he took the job at Family Life, which was a bigger pond. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of lot of cheerleaders in that group there mm-hmm. that were loving him and wanting him. And and there was a season in there where he just said, "Man, your grief. It's just." And I took that as, "I can't do it anymore." Mm-hmm. And again, I felt abandoned. Yeah. Well the alcohol consumption, you know, I was numbing my pain, honestly. And the prescription drugs along with it Mm -hmm. became this toxic, toxic cycle. Mm -hmm. And so about 2018 and 19, it got off the chain. It was, I was abusing it terribly. And um, I didn't know. And I was hiding. I was so isolating and hiding. At that point, the enemy had taken up residency, not a foothold, but residency. I mean, I had, I was going to church, but anytime anybody prayed, I'm like, yeah, well, that didn't help us. Or I'd hear it is well with my soul. And I'm like, it is not well with my soul that my son is in the ground. You know, so I had my hand up to God, so angry and frustrated with Ron and you know, really decades of pain that I wasn't dealing with from childhood to him yeah. to this now with God. And that was, that was the numbing that helped. So, you know, I'd get through the day and then at night I'd just tank. And I was really hiding it from him. I was hiding it from my boys. I was hiding it from everybody. And there were a couple of times when I thought, I really need help. But if I go to rehab, it will ruin his career. Yeah. Which it wouldn't have done, but she was afraid that it would. Right. Sure. That's right. what she does. It makes you think it's going to be worse than it really is. And I just Correct. thought, who, who's going to drive me there? You know, I, I could yeah. think of one friend that maybe I could tell, but I was so in the closet, literally in the closet with it, that um, I was not telling anybody. And then it was just the mixture of things that I was taking was keeping me up at night. Like I was waking up at one, two, three, four, and five, not getting any sleep. Um, it was just a vicious cycle until, um, January of 20, I was driving to work one day and I looked at myself in the mirror and I just thought, I don't know if you'd have me God, but I am a wreck. I'm a mess. My heart is as black as coal. Mm. Um, I don't like myself. I, Mm. I don't even think you could create a heart in me, a clean heart in me, but if you could, I think maybe. I don't know. You know, I just didn't even know what to say to him. I was so in shame and so much in pain. And then that February, we went on the family life cruise and it was Julie Slattery that got a hold of me with one of her classes. And um, she was just saying, you know, 
if you're not your husband's helper. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I haven't been his helper and I don't know how long. And then it was um, March of 20. Um, Ron had gone on a five day trip, which, you know, traveling was my, you know, my, uh, what do I, when I say, uh, sorry, my landmine, when he'd go travel, you know, he was going off to the other thing. And it was a five day thing where before he left, he said, you know, I'm not going to be able to connect a lot. I've got this, 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 and this, which said to me, you're not as important and I'll be unavailable. So I went on the biggest bender. I put a hole in the wall. I mean, it was ugly. y'all. It was ugly. And at one point I was calling him so much that weekend and he was trying to minister to people. I mean, literally leaving messages, calling, calling, calling. And he gets home. And I mean, I have, I've called my boys unbeknownst to myself because of everything that I was taking. Everyone was freaking out. It just kind of, kind of finally came to head and I hit bottom. But he came home and he said, and this is right when COVID is happening. So I've, I've been sent home, got to back up. I've been sent home because of my job that weekend. And every time he would travel, I'd get friends in line to go out to eat and do, you know, because I can't be by myself. Yeah. Well, oh, we can't go to the restaurant. It's closed. We can't go to the movie. It's closed. I'm it left, it's I, am, closed. <laughs> I am left to myself, which I can't be by myself well. And God says, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take everything out of your path so it can be you and me. Mm. And yet I went on the biggest, biggest, nastiest bender ever. And I was so angry and I was so enraged. And he comes home and says, man, what is going on? And I remember the look on his face and I thought, I've lost him. Mm. I've lost myself. I've lost him. And he's getting up the next morning to go figure out his job via being at home. Zoom, yeah. Right? Like the whole world was yeah. trying to figure out. And I go into our guest room and I lay on my back that day. And I look up at the ceiling. I think I'm going to go in there to do yoga because, you know, I got to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, Nan's got to do something in order to fix things. And I was on my back and I literally laid there for two hours and wept mm. and came to the end of myself. And I just said, it was a great day. Mm, yeah. God met me there. And I just said, I, I can't do this on my own anymore. But if you'll have me, I'm surrendering my life to you. Mm, mm, mm. And I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to walk this out. And I'm telling you what, that night I had not one withdrawal. Wow. No drugs, no alcohol, not one withdrawal. And, you know, I had tried a couple of times, like I said, to stop. And I had so much withdrawal that I didn't know how to do it. And then I, and I did say to him that day, I said, well, if I have to go to rehab, even in a pandemic, I'll, I'll just go. And if it, if it ruins his job, I, I'll just try to fix it. You know, I'll just, whatever, God, I'll do whatever, you know? And he started walking me out of this hot mess. It's like he literally, y'all, it, it's like he came in and he stood on that mat with me, that yoga mat that's so sacred to me now. And he just picked me up and he's like, I'm not afraid of any of this yeah. mess. 
I mean, I was so messy and he just wiped it off and I just became as clean as could be. And he's like, okay, I can work with this now. Mm. I can work with this. And he sent me books and podcasts and scripture. It's like I was drinking from a fire hose of, you know, his, his grace and mercy. And then I found Regeneration, which is a 12-step recovery program and started doing it on Zoom. And then I started going in person and July of 21, I graduated. And um, now I'm a leader in Regen. I just, you know, and those are the people you want to do church with because they're so Yes, amen, (laughs) amen. My son came to my graduation. He's like, after we were singing, everybody's praising, you know, everybody gets so excited about worshiping God, you know, because you've just been forgiven so much, you know. Yes. You know what a wretch you are, you know. He's like, this is church. And I'm like, that's why I love every Thursday night. It's just my... It's my place, but I remember in the midst of that, I know we were so far away from each other. We loved each other, but we had we had busted up a bridge of trust. We had I had I had ruined a ton of stuff, and I just kept praying to God, saying, "Would you restore our marriage? Would you build the bridge back? Would you show me what I need to work on? I'll work on me. Let Ron work on him, and then if you'll just restore the years." That yeah. the locusts, mm. and I'm telling you, he has, mm. and it hasn't been easy, but he has. And so, long story short, to answer your question, that's why you see me more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bottom line is, I tell people, you're finally seeing the woman that I've been in love with my whole life. Like, she's finally come back, and oh, yeah. uh, it's not like this is a new person. We just, we just got her back again after a really long um, well I just didn't like y'all so (laughs) (laughs) that's so ugly that was the pride of man that's what made me fall in love with you I want to be clear to the people that are our listeners and the people that watch is she came and we went to a conference which we've done a podcast on in Georgia and she came to our table sat down and she started, we started talking and Ron, I don't know if you know this, but she looked at me and she's like, I hated you guys. I hated all of you. And that's what made me fall in love with her because, uh, that's me. Like, that's how I am. You know, if if I I'm honest to that, but people, if they give me a chance to sit and see through my words and things like that, my honesty, I love people and her looking at me saying, I hated you guys. I was like, I feel you. If I was in your shoes, I would have acted the same way. I would have, you know, God would have had to walk me through the same path, do the same things. So I, I love that honesty because that's where God redeems us. Right. If we're not honest about our shortcomings, then he has, we have no need for him, you know, and, and, I, I just, from that moment, I fell in love with you. You weren't a woman sitting down from this to me in my eyes, Ron's this big famous person, right? <laughs> and you're coming down, sitting at my table being like, everything's great. My husband's like this 13 book author, you know, all this, our life is great. God is great. God is good all the time. You know, like you're not doing all those things. You're coming and sitting down being like, I hated it. I hated this ministry. I hated everything about it. I'm like, that is what I'm talking about. That's <laughs> honesty. And yeah. yet you're here, which yeah. already told me if I'm a person that is in yeah. tune with honesty, you know, you're here though, you're at this mm-hmm. event 
it, which tells me you guys have worked through that. And yeah. so that's what I loved about it. I loved it. I told him because he was off talking to somebody else. I'm like, she said she hated us. And I loved it. <laughs> you know? I loved it so much. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, we're just uh, in process in life, just mm -hmm. like everybody else. And I will say for anybody who's actually read some of my work, there are elements all the way through all that stuff that applied just as much to us as it did to anybody. You know, yeah. how do you rebuild trust? How yeah. do you deal with fear in your marriage when you're unsure what's going to happen? And there were seasons, it was a decade in our marriage, the first, probably the first decade where she didn't know if I was coming back, so to speak, right. you know, because I was yeah. so focused on work mm -hmm. and performing. There was a decade. You had an addiction. When, yeah. You had yeah. an addiction. I mean, just, just call it what it is. It, we had our lovers. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's what you can say. And then there was a decade when I didn't know where she was and if she was coming back. And I was so focused on trying to love her well and put on humility and, you know, be who I'm called to be in this marriage. Like we've each had our turn. Mm -hmm. And, you know, by God's grace, we found our way through all of that and continued forward time and time and time and time again. And we're better people for having stuck with it. You know, how, how many times have you heard me say, just stay with it? And yeah. we were talking about that before we started recording today. You know, mm -hmm. that's half the journey for whatever it's blended family or marriage or parenting a kid that you don't understand or drives you nuts. Um, stay with it. It's the long-term play yeah. that finds the rewards. But yeah. people who just throw up their hands and say, I quit, they just don't get any rewards. Mm -hmm. So we've experienced that just like a lot of other people are. Yeah, and I've learned that on whatever's happened in your childhood, God can God can work through that. Amen. He can help you with that. If you have suffered a loss, God is your strength and your help. He is your help. So, not you, not a book. He. Yeah. Now books can help. Sorry, but if right. you're struggling in your marriage, <laughs> if you have an addiction, it's God. Yeah. It's God. If you, like you said, Christy, if you surrender to him and say, I, I got nothing, Yeah. but I know you, it's you doing this in me because I'm yeah. telling you that day, that night, that was not me. Yeah. That was his grace and mercy. And I don't, a, a miracle in my life that I will now, you know, go to him when I meet him and say, <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. have done that on my own. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm just yeah. so grateful. I'm so grateful. He's like the scales have come off my eyes and yeah. my, my eyes are open to his goodness. Yeah. I love it. It's not good that my son's not here, but God is still good. Yep. That's, yeah. you know, Yes. There's so much power yeah. in this. You know, it's, it's, and Ron, you know, the statistics, but blended families, I mean, there's a high level of sub substance abuse that's related yes. That's to right. that. So mm -hmm. this is another way God has worked in your life, like to be able to tie this in and be more relatable. Christy and I are both recovering alcoholics. I yeah. mean, you know, 13 years, 11 years of recovery we have under our belt now. And it, what we're realizing is it just makes us more relatable and allowing God to use these things and flow through it. It's, mm -hmm. it's about standing up and saying, Hey, don't waste this pain, allow God to shine through it. And it's just, it's incredible hearing it. And it's so relatable. Like 
we 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 see you as a marriage. We don't see you as we have a blended family. You have a blended family. Right. It's so much deeper than that because when it boils down to it, yeah, there's a lot of intricacies in blended families, but ultimately, you know, sin gets the part of our lives and, and that's where God's got to get a hold of it. And that's the ultimate solution is, is that. And it's just, it's beautiful hearing it from you, Nan. It really well, is. Yeah. And what I, I, I love when people ask Josh and I even questions and we're like, it's God. And as soon as you start your story out with that, like you did, it's because we can't explain <laughs> how far we've come as people. It's the only thing that can explain it is God because like Jay and Laura LaFoon, they're the ones that told us about you, Ron, you know? And it's like, we, we knew after we had a hot dumpster fire of a first, you know, when we first got together and a past and stuff, and then we get together, we start submitting our lives to God and God's showing us and leading us in all these directions. And then we're just like, we need to be helping people in the church, not feel like we feel not in a blended family, just submit to God later on in life in your thirties, you know, in your Mm -hmm. forties in life and about not to be the frozen chosen. Right. But to, to be excited about what he's done for us. And that led us to Jay and Laura and then Jay and Laura led us to you. And then, you know, it's, it's God because none of that would have happened on our own. None of it. None of it. Going back to the woman at the well. I can't wait to watch that now. Oh, I know. He didn't use those women that were perfect or showing that they were perfect Mm. at the right time of the day, going there. He chose a woman that that was hiding. Yeah. Yeah. He was hiding. Yeah. Yeah. This is my favorite story of my recovery. All right. I am maybe a year in and I am starting to learn how to pray. And I'm learning how to pray every day on my knees. And I go into my closet and I'm face down praying. I'm a year into my recovery. Okay. And I am on my face praying about something, something had triggered us. And and I just thought, is this ever going to get better? Mm. Okay, God, no, I can't go to the the pain and the fear and the old patterns, but I'm going to pray to you. This is a new man now. I'm a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And I am face down in my closet. And all of a sudden, this empty bottle comes out of the clothes and goes tink right in front of my face. And he says, this is the new you, and that's the old. Wow. You are in here with me, my wow. child. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. I was hiding. I was like the woman at the well. Yeah, mm-hmm. so she had been, you know, hiding in shame, looking in the closet, yeah. and now this little reminder comes out to say, no, no, this is what you're about with wow. me now mm-hmm. in here. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, yes, I am. And I'm not going to turn back. And I'll tell you, in the grieving community, substance abuse is high too. And so I just don't want to leave anybody in the closet. Anymore. Yeah, love you it. know. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think that you know, it's I mean, like Christy met you, Nan, and it was an instant thing, right? I mean, so it was that connection was. is so special on such a much greater level than we could ever imagine. And so, you know, as we kind of wrap up today, you know, it's it's we really wanted everybody to get to know you guys a little bit more. You know, you, you're pouring your lives 
into other people's lives for yeah. so long. Thank you so much. But there's humans Thank behind you. all this, yeah. you know, that have their own lives going on. And, you know, and, 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 and you guys have a lot going on. Okay. Yeah. It's, we're not selling nothing short on that. Thank you for hating us and loving us. That's right. And <laughs> we need both. love you so much now. <laughs> your, your sacrifice and your ability to just, you know, follow what God's telling you. And we can see how he's rewarding you along the way, yeah. the glow that you have, the appreciation that you have, you know, but uh, we know, and we've said it a lot, this, this episode is God is the absolute center. And so yeah. we know that, right. And, and, and mm -hmm. we don't want to run from that nor hide from that. But if we were going to go one more level than that, and just in marriages in general, in your marriage, what do you think is the secret sauce? What is the, what is the element that you think is so important for you guys? Uh, you know, before we started recording, you were asking, what are we working on? Well, what we're working on is telling people what God has done in us. And so, yes, we're working with some people on a, on a, a book project and we're doing a marriage seminar together. A marriage seminar applies to all marriages, no matter our first step family, whatever it is. And at the heart of it is the humility of Christ. Mm -hmm. Institute talks about uh, Christ's humility is what essentially empowered might be an overstatement of a word, but that's the thing that brought him to this planet to deal with sin and to make a way for us um, and to conquer death so that we can, he went first, we can follow, um, heaven and earth is going to come together in the kingdom. We got to put that on in mm -hmm. our own lives every stinking day. Now, here's the cool thing. We don't have time to unpack it all, but I'll just give it to you in a nutshell. Yeah. Humility is the thing that moves us closer to the heart of God and invites his grace. God mm -hmm. opposes the proud, but gives yep. grace to the mm -hmm. humble. That is repeated throughout scripture multiple times. Mm -hmm. And we have come to believe that that principle is not only vertical, but it's horizontal. Mm -hmm. That if I approach my wife in pride, she will oppose me. Yeah. Just like God will. Yeah. In other words, she won't hear me. She won't want it. She'll, she'll argue with me. Whatever form that opposition takes, she will oppose me and I'll do the same to her. But when we come to one another out of a posture of humility, first towards God and secondly, about ourselves, then toward each other, then we naturally invite grace yeah. out of our partner. Now that I'm telling you guys, we spend six hours unpacking the internal dynamics of how that changes relationships, how it's changed us. It's changed couples I've been working with for 15 years doing therapy based on some of these principles. I'm just telling you, it's the most powerful thing in the world. Mm. And it's super hard to do. Yeah. That's what, because it's because it's so to the core of who we are as people. Mm. And, and it's a beautiful, beautiful process of what how God transforms even relationships like ours that at various times has been at odds and very tenuous and difficult and strained and distressed. Um, there's a lot of hope when you add God's humility, Christ's humility into your relationship. Yeah. Even, in, even in your pain, you can come to him with a hum humble posture or prideful yeah. posture about it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And, um, you know, I just, John 3.30, I love, you know, God must increase, but I must decrease. Yeah. yeah. You no, know, that's a humbling yeah. posture as well. Um, definitely is what we're working on individually, but then it blesses our marriage for sure. 
And, you know, we start to work on the summit on step family ministry. We do that every year, every fall. Yep. We're going to be in Phoenix this next October, October 13 and 14. That's where we met you was at a summit on step family. Ministry. Yep. I hope you guys will think about coming to Phoenix. We'd love to have you there. Yeah. yeah um, well, and if you want to come to Little Rock, we'll have you over for dinner. Yeah. Oh man, that may be our first stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be great. So we really appreciate you guys' vulnerability today. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's been amazing. This this uh, has been so much more than just an interview. It's been an insight of, you know, a family that for 36 years of marriage and almost all of that has been working towards pouring into blended families like ours. And now we got to know a little bit about who you guys are and how God really is working through you to mm -hmm. help people like us. And so we're appreciative of that. But um, you know, where can we get a hold of you? Or if somebody was wanting to, to look up all the wonderful, fun stuff that you guys have going on, uh, where could we go? I think smartstepfamilies.com is probably the best one-stop place. From there, you can find everything I and we have our hands in. Okay. Um, so smartstepfamilies.com. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. We absolutely appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Well, we are so happy that you were able to stay through if you got this far in the episode today and enjoyed, hopefully enjoyed this amazing interview that we had today. There's if you didn't, you're not our people. <laughs> That's it. You're fired. Dude. Thumbs down. <laughs> no, but, you know, it was an amazing, uh, just inspiring interview today. Vulnerable. But, you know, our goal today was to have Nan and Ron in and... It, and Ron on and let you guys get to know a little bit about who they are and their yeah. family unit about who is behind all this awesome blended family stuff. So it's super relatable. And I just, I enjoyed it on just such a deep level today. I truly just love them. Yeah. And if you get to know them in person, if you ever got to meet them in person, it's the same. It's the same. And that's what I love so much about God's community. And when God carves the pathway for your community because uh we met them or got introduced to and shoved in ron's direction by jay and laura lafoon and when we absolutely love them and it's when you meet couples that really truly just love god and they're authentic people in general and they're just authentic and and real and they are who they are but they they want to love god and they, they're doing the best they can and they're willing to you know embrace the suck and show the the bad quote unquote <laughs> sides of them and yeah. and the god sides of them and all of that it's it's really what connects us together oh. it's not the people that act like they have everything together you're just like okay well i can't relate to you because either you have everything together and i don't so yeah. i can't relate to you or you're acting like you have everything together and i don't so i can't relate to you yeah so it's uh i love I love them and I, they're just, they're really, really, really just awesome people. So. Yeah. So we want to make sure that you go and you will make sure to leave links and everything down in there. We want to make sure you have an opportunity to really go check out everything that uh, Ron and Nan are being part of these days. Ron's been in this for a long, long time. And Christy is very active in other, uh, you know, blended family, blended couple groups on Facebook. And she's constantly telling people like, you got to read what Ron has done because he has really hit it right on the head. And so if you haven't had any opportunities to do that, we want to make sure that you have an opportunity to reach out and see exactly what they have going on. And we'll make sure to leave a link down in the uh, chat below. Yeah. So that's all we got for today. We want to thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next Tuesday at seven. Bye.